Tonight, though, for just a few minutes, though, if you want to turn in your Bible uh, to Philippians chapter 3, and uh, we won't read the scripture right away, but we'll get there in just a, in just a few minutes uh, and just a little bit. But I want to talk to you tonight for just a minute. If I had a title, and I do have a title, but uh, I would say don't let your past dictate your future. Don't let your past dictate your future. Uh, so many of us are held so many times and we're held in bondage to the things of the past. And we're held back from being all that God wants us to be. And so I want us to look at just a minute. I know uh, Neil talked about Paul this morning. And so we're just going to stay with that theme even tonight. But I want us to start by asking this question. And I just want to ask you, how many of us have a past? How many of us in here have, have some kind of past? We, have, uh, we all have something in our past. I ask that question. I'm sure a lot of you kind of start to... You kind of cringe just a little bit when you get to, you know, when we're reminded, especially if you're, you know, if you've been away from your past for a while, sometimes you don't want anybody to know about those things that you have in your past. And sometimes you don't want to share those. And we don't want people, we want to think everybody to think, hey, I've always been perfect like I am now. You know, I've always been this way or whatever. So, and, uh, and Shannon will tell you that I'm, I'm just perfect and I've always been like this. But uh, so... <laughs> Not this week, she wouldn't. But anyway, so, uh, but we have this, you know, so some of us, I know a lot of us, we cringe and we think, well, you know, like, I don't want anybody to know about my past because we're reminded, as soon as we say that, do you have a past? We're reminded of mistakes that we've made and we're reminded of even some failures that we've had. And, and you know, some of us might even kind of bow our chest up and say, I've had a pretty successful past. You know, I've had a lot of good things happen in my life. I've had some great accomplishments and things of that nature. And some of us, though, we're reminded of past hurts. We're either someone, someone has hurt us, someone has said something, somebody has done something to us and we're reminded of those hurts and we think, uh, you know, of all these things or someone has wronged us or someone has done something to us or maybe there are some things in your past that you hope that, like I said before, that nobody ever finds out about. But the point is this, that for so many of us, our past though is a hindrance to our future. So many times in life, we allow those things that held us in the past, that, that, that happened to us in the past from ever allowing us to move forward. And so many times we allow those things to continue to come up in our lives and we allow those things to kind of hold us back from being exactly what God's calling us to be and from being exactly what God wants us to do. And we're never truly free, but the Bible, you know, it's really plain to us that when we are Christians and when we're in Christ that we're free and we should walk in freedom and we should walk in that. But so many of us allow our past to hold us back. And so that's what I want to talk about for just a few minutes is how to prevent your past from dictating your future and from holding your future. And I think we can learn something from Paul. But how many of you ever been driving down the road here in Wahala, Seneca? I don't know, Salem, wherever you're at and a cop gets behind you. We all know that feeling, right? And what, and what, so what happens, <laughs> so, uh, somebody got a ticket this week, didn't they, Bo? But anyway, so we're just, <laughs> so it just, just hit me that Bo got a ticket this week. So as soon as, uh, as, so, as soon as, um, as soon as somebody, you know, as soon as that policeman gets behind you, even if you're not doing anything wrong, automatically you feel guilty, right? Automatically. So, so what are you doing the whole time? You're like, your eyes are looking in the rearview mirror and you're kind of, you know, all of a sudden you kind of hand, you grip that steering wheel just a little bit tighter. Of course you slow down. So you're doing about five miles an hour because you're like, I don't want to, you know, so then they're, you're going to be like, well, if I don't speed up, they're going to think I'm doing. And so what happens is we become constantly caught up in what's going on behind us. That, that we begin to kind of, we can't really control what's happening in front of us. And, and, and so then we get afraid and we're like, man, if I'm swerving in the road, he's gonna, he's gonna pull me up. So we're walking and we're living in this fear. And that's because we're so focused on what's behind us that we can't see what's in front of us. 
We're so concerned about what's going on behind us that we can't focus on where we're going. And, you know, all of a sudden we think he's going to pull me over for, you know, he's going to think I'm drinking and driving or something like that. And all this stuff comes into our minds and we begin to get that way. But today, many Christians are living their lives that way, constantly thinking about what is it behind them. Constantly being uh, focusing on the past. The scripture tells us that where there is no vision, the people perish. And we look at that a lot of times and we think of it as leadership. We think of it as a church, as a whole, but even in our own lives, if our vision is not focused out there, if we're not moving forward, if we're always living in the, back, in the past, it's gonna hold us back and we'll perish because we'll always be living in the past and we'll always be thinking about those things uh, that are behind and not being able to look forward into the things that are in the future. Satan's goal is to steal our hope. So Satan's goal is to steal our joy, is to steal our future by clouding our vision with the past. And we're being held back from accomplishing or receiving all that Christ has for us because of our past. And so what I want to do tonight for just a minute is I want us to be able to hopefully when we walk out of here to have just a few little things that we can say, listen, I'm going to put those things behind me. I'm going to put that in the past. Uh, You know, I found out a lot of times my own worst enemy is not somebody else. You know, it's not the pastor. <laughs> so it's not somebody, uh, you know, saying something about me. And I know Pastor Neil, he, he talks to us a lot as a church about not holding something against somebody, about not holding somebody's past. But most of the time, that's not my problem. It's not what somebody else is saying about me. It's not what somebody else thinks about me. Nine times out of 10, 99.9% of the time, it's the man in the mirror. It's the things that I say to myself. It's the things that I say that I say, well, I I can never, you know, I'll never be like that person because I had this or I'll never be like that person because I made that mistake or I'll never be like that person because I made a wrong decision. And even sometimes, even if it's not sin, but if it's just a wrong decision, sometimes we, we mess up and we just make wrong choices in life. And when we, you know, we should have zigged when we zagged or something like that. And so sometimes we just make those, and so most of the time, the person Russell's dealing with is not somebody else, but it's the person in the mirror. And it's what my mind is telling me. It's those moments when I'm alone and I'm driving and and, and the enemy wants to come into my life and he wants to try to convince me that I'll never accomplish anything or or that I can't be what, you know, what God's called me to be or or that I'll never measure up to this or I'll never measure up to that. And, And so for just a few minutes, I want us to hopefully look at those things in our lives and see if we can move past some of that stuff. And so in Philippians chapter, we'll start at chapter three, but we'll start at verse 10. And this is Paul speaking, obviously to the church at Philippi, and he's in prison at this time. And he says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain, reach for something to the resurrection from the dead, Verse 12, not that I have already attained. I haven't got there yet. I haven't reached what I want to reach. I haven't accomplished what I want to accomplish or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Jesus Christ. Pressing forward, moving on, Paul is telling us what Paul is saying. He says, if we look in verse 10 there, Paul is telling us that the goal of life is to know Christ. His goal, his purpose in life is to know Christ, is to know who he is and the power of his resurrection. 
the ability to take dead things and to bring them back to life. I heard somebody, we were talking about Josh Trammell and I heard this message today and he was talking about this very thing, the power of Jesus to be able to raise things that are dead. That's what I want. That's how I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection, the ability to take a sin-filled life and to, that is bound for hell, that is bound for a, an eternity of death and, and to be able to raise that up and to pick that back up. That's how I want to know Christ. And that's what Paul's saying. He said, I want to know him in the fe- and to share in the fellowship of his suffering. Nobody wants to do that, do they? But he says, I want to know him and, and to share in the fellowship of his suffering and to become like him. I want to be like him is what he's saying so that he that we might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying he wants to be made Christ like. No doubt uh, that should be the goal and desire of every Christian to become Christ like, to be more like him every day. That should be what we're pressing for. That should be what we're reaching for. That should be what we're trying to obtain is to be like him. And in verse 12, Paul tells us he does not consider himself to have, have obtained he doesn't think that he's reached that yet or to be perfected yet. And I don't know of any of us that could say that we have reached that yet, that we, that we have reached that point that we could say, I've accomplished my goal. I have become exactly what Christ wants me to be. Uh, I've achieved all that Christ wants me to achieve because I want to tell you, if there is breath in us, then there is still more to know about who God is. If there's still breath in us, there's still something that I can improve on. There's still areas that I can do. There's still stuff for me to accomplish. There's still things that God wants to do in my life. And Paul is saying, listen, I haven't been perfected. The word attain translates to mean not yet gained possession of or laid hold of all that he seeks to be. And, and the next word he uses this word, he says, he does not consider himself to be perfected. And I used that word perfection while I go to describe myself. And we all know that's a joke, but, uh, but he doesn't consider himself to be perfected. This word perfected means to be mature, to be complete or to be finished. In no way does he consider himself there. He says, I have not reached completion as a Christian. There are still things I must do. I must press on. I must continue on. I must press on. Paul is saying that, uh, that uh, saying to us that he is not done yet. Sitting in jail in Rome, he's writing this letter and he tells us that his work is not finished here because there's still breath in him. I still have work to do. I still have things to accomplish. I still have things that God has for me to do. And as long as I'm living, I'm going to keep pressing on and I'm going to keep doing what he's calling me to do. And he says, I do not consider myself in verse 13 to have apprehended. And I'm going somewhere and he tells us that what that in uh, that he t- then he tells us that what he's doing in order to apprehend or attain, what do I do? And, and this is where I want to get to. What, what do I do in order to press on? What do I do in order to attain? What do I do to continue moving forward? What is it that I'm doing to be able to get to that place? And in verse 13, he tells us this, this one thing I do. This one thing. You know, we make, we make, we make life about so many things. We make life uh, about achieving this and accomplishing that. We make Christianity. There's books written on how to achieve the best Christian life. There's all these different things. But Paul says, this is one thing I do to be able to reach forward, to press on and to attain and to be perfected as a Christian. And he says this, forgetting those things which are behind Forgetting those things which are behind me. How, how, hard, or how hard do we make life sometimes because we want to drag all those things that are behind us with us. Everywhere we go and we wear them, 
And we, and we wear them like they're, like they're badges of honor sometimes. And we, and we want to hang on to those things. And we don't want to turn loose of that stuff that is in the past, that's already been dealt with in the past. And he says this, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And tonight I want to just focus on three areas. I want us to look at three things that I believe hinders us from really attaining what God wants to do in our lives. Number one, our past sin. And I know Neil hit a lot of this, this hit this part right here a good bit this morning. But now uh, if anyone ever had a sin-filled past to forget, it was Paul. I mean, if you examine his life before Paul's conversion, he was a terribly, a terrible and a feared man among Christians. And we all know the story Paul killed Christians. He lived to kill Christians. That was his thing was even when he had his, uh, his experience on the Damascus road as he's traveling, he was going to do what? He was going to kill Christians. So if there was ever anyone who had a past to forget, it was Paul. He had sin in his life. If there's anything he needed to forget, he had things to forget. Uh, because of his persecution of the church and its people, he was a very feared man. Scripture tells us in Acts that as Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was being stoned, that witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a man named Saul, who we know later became Paul. And I look at it like this, is he had to have some kind of leadership role. You ever been in a schoolyard fight or no, none of y'all have been in a schoolyard fight, but you ever been, uh, I was in a gang one time in fifth grade, but anyway, uh, so it's a long story. I'll have to share it sometime. But so here's the deal though, but you ever been in that fight where, and, and there's always that ringleader, someone who's instigating, someone who's leading the charge. And, and then as things are about to get heated and things are about to really get going, that person kind of steps back. And that's kind of how I see Paul here. And he kind of steps back. And so everybody else just kind of starts laying their clothes and their coat at his feet as they're stoning Stephen for preaching the gospel. And Paul sits by and he's watching this happen. If anyone had a past to forget, it was Paul. If anyone had something that he should lay in the back, if anybody had reason to say, I can't accomplish this or I can't do that, I can't move forward, it would be Paul because he was stood there and watched this happen. He watched the man of God being stoned and put to death. Put to death. But however, as bad as that seems with a past like that, Saul, who later became Paul after his conversion, goes on to be one of the greatest missionaries ever known. He was used by God to write many of the books in the New Testament. Today, many of us would look at a man like Paul and say, you cannot be used by God. You're a murderer. You, you, you had a bad pass. And I'm, I'm, and I'm just glad that Paul did, I mean, that God didn't look at Paul that way. But he didn't look at his past. He looked at, who, he looked at who Paul could be. And he chose to use him in spite of his past. And not only did he choose to use Paul in spite of his past, but God chooses to use us today in spite of our past. So, so many of us, and it's like I said, it's not what other people say about me. It's not what other people think about me that bothers me so much. It's what I think about myself so many times. It's the things that I remind myself of. And it's like little things will come back to you. As, you're, as something will trigger something, it'll come back and you'll think, how could I have been so foolish? How could I have said that? How could I have done that? How could God use somebody like me who, who's made so many mistakes? And we would say to Paul, how, how did you do it? How did you live with the guilt and still accomplish so much for Christ? Because that's where a lot of us live. We live in guilt. And, and so we would look at Paul if we had a chance to ask, how did you do that? How did you live with that guilt? And Paul says to us through our text and through what we've read, he said, I didn't carry the guilt. He said, this one thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind. I forgot those things. I put them aside. I laid them behind me. They were in the past. You may say today, you do not know my past. You don't know where I come from or I could never accomplish anything great for God because of my past. Will always, my past will always haunt me and my past will always uh, be in the back of my mind and it seems to always rear its head. You ever just notice that about the time that God starts to move you in a direction, that about the time that God is getting ready to use you, and I don't know if anybody else fights this. And I don't know if anybody else deals with this. But about the time that you feel like, man, I, you know, there's something, there's a door about to open. There's something about to happen in my life. There's some, you're getting closer to God. And all of a sudden, that's exactly when stuff will start to show its head. Things will start to come back up. Things will start to remind you. Things will start. And all of a sudden, what do you do? We start to pull back. We start to pull back because that's what the enemy wants to do in our lives. He wants our past to hinder us and to hold us and to keep us from achieving and accomplishing what God has for us in the future. And so all of a sudden we'll find ourselves pulling. Listen, I've been there. Take two steps forward and all of a sudden something reminds and all of a sudden you're kind of like, and we walk in fear. We're afraid. Afraid it's going to come back up. Afraid it's going to show back up. Afraid something's going to happen. And all of a sudden we think, I can't accomplish anything. I can't do anything for God. Uh, How would I do this? All of a sudden stuff starts to be thrown in my face. Every time I start to move forward, something comes back up. Something's tossed in my face. But Paul says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Moses was a murderer, but he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. David was an adulterer, but the scripture tells us that he was a man after God's own heart. Peter denied ever even knowing Christ as Christ was being crucified, but he became one of the greatest preachers ever known. You may say those are story, those stories are great, but that's not me. Uh, everyone knows what I've done. Everyone knows uh, what I've been. You may say I was in prison. I was a drunk. I was addicted to drugs. I've stole. I've cheated. I've lied. And the list could go on and on for all of us. We could go around the room tonight. We could go around this room tonight and we could all share our stories. We could all share our stories of our past because we've all got one. When I asked that question at the beginning, everybody said, got one of those. Even, even those of us who people think, there's no way that person, she's, there's no way he or she ever did anything wrong. No way that that person, it doesn't matter. We all have a past. We all have something in the background. We always have something, to, a story as to why the past keeps coming up and keeping us from accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. But I wanna ask you this question. Have you ever been to the cross? Have you been to Calvary? Have you been to Calvary? Have you asked Christ to forgive you? Have you confessed your sins to him? If your answer is yes, then you need to exercise your faith tonight and understand that, listen, you may remember him, but he remembers them no more. You, you may live in that, but God says you don't have to. You're doing that uh, out of your own guilt. You're doing that out of, out of a trick from Satan. You don't have to live in that guilt. You don't have to carry that. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all right, unrighteousness. If we carry that guilt, if we walk around worried about our past sin and worried about all those things, then we are taking that out of God's hand and we're saying he didn't do what he said he would do. And so we say we don't have the faith to believe that he was able to forgive us of those sins that are in our lives and to wash us clean and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103, 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 
He has tossed them aside. He has done away with them. He has forgotten them. And he's asking us tonight, why do you continue to remember those? Why do you continue to bring those back up? Why do you continue to allow those to hold you back? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 17 says this, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The secular world may have labeled you based on your past. Even the religious world may have labeled you on your past. They may call you addict, divorcee, alcoholic, liar, cheat, thief, but the word of God calls you forgiven. God says you're forgiven. You've been cleansed from all unrighteousness. If you've been to the cross, if you've asked God to come into your life, if you've asked him to forgive you and you've confessed your sins, he says you're forgiven. You're cleansed. You're free. You don't have to live in that. When Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood, he bought and paid for your past. He took care of it on the cross. He settled your debt. We no longer have to live under the weight of guilt. Do not let your past hold you back from the future God has for you. John 8, 36 says, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. No longer does your future have to be held back and hindered by your past sin. Put it to bed. Put it to bed. Once and for all, put it to bed. Forget about it. Leave it in the past. Don't bring it up anymore. Don't even have to talk. I don't even think we have to sit and talk about that stuff. I don't want to sit and rehash all the old things that I did. I remember there was, and Shannon's going to laugh, but my, there's a, there was a family we grew up with at Gap Hill. And listen, and the man had lived a bad past. He, had, he, he, was, he was a bad alcoholic. But I can always remember he was labeled that way. And he, he'd been saved for 40 years. And everybody said, He'd call his name. He said, you were an alcoholic. I'm like, yeah, like 40 years ago. He's not that anymore. Put it to bed. Let's don't bring it up. Let's don't, let's don't talk about it. Let's don't keep rehashing it and trying to remind ourselves who we are. No, that's not who we are. That's who we were, but that's not who we are now. Because that's not what God wants. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't remember those things. He puts those in the, in the past. So quit being hindered by your past sin. Stop labeling yourself. I think, I think the power of words has, has a, lot of, a lot to do with who we are. And, and Lacey, I know you went through psychology and you could probably tell us some positive thinking thing about that or whatever. And I'm not all about positive thinking, but I believe the things that come out of our mouth, that, that, that we can confess things with our mouth. And we can, don't have to label ourselves and we don't have to call ourselves that thing. What about past hurt? What about past hurt? Today, many of us are allowing the pain and the hurt of the things that have happened in the past to prevent us from experiencing all that God wants for us. Paul also had hurts and sufferings in his life. And we all know that. Not only did he have sin, but even after he was saved, he became and, and went through a lot of trials and a lot of battles. When the church at Philippi, Philippi was being established, Paul was arrested. He was beaten. He was imprisoned for casting out a spirit out of a little girl. And now while once again in prison, Paul writes to the church at Philippi and says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And, you know, I think about that. I imagine that people in that church saw the things that happened to Paul. And my guess is that they held grudges because of what they had saw. They had hurts. They had seen that and they were, they were affected by that. And Paul says, listen, forget those things. Forget those hurts that have happened in our lives. Forget those things. Many of us, uh, many of these people may have been carrying that grudge for what the authorities had done to him. And he tells them, he said, listen, forget it. Uh, many of them may have been bitter. 
And that, that's a word we hear a lot in the church is people are bitter sometimes. But Paul says to them, we must forget those things which are behind, those hurts. Many Christians have sit down and quit today because of things that have been said, because of things that have been done, and because somebody has hurt them in some way. And the truth is the only person that has hurt themselves is you because you have stopped and you've allowed Satan to take that one thing, that stray word, that disagreement, that whatever one moment in time, whatever it is, and to hold you back. And what happens is as long as we dwell on those hurts, then all of a sudden they begin to take root inside of us and bitterness will begin to take root inside of us. And bitterness leads to anger. Every time bitterness leads to anger. And before long, we're just angry people because we've been hurt by something. Something's been said, something's been done. Listen, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Doesn't mean that it's not real. But I wanna tell you, those things have to be dealt with. Uh, They have to be put under the blood. They have to be handled. They have to be dealt with. And if you're here tonight and you're dealing with that and it's holding you back and it's destroying your life, then you need to find Pastor Neil, one of us. You need to sit down and let's talk through that stuff and let's begin to work on those things and let's begin to move past that hurt because as long as you carry that, it will affect you from years to come. Uh, I can tell you that things that happen to people even in high school and middle school, that even as adults, it's still holding them back. It's still controlling them. It controls their attitude. It's like a trigger point that every time something is said, it brings all that back up and it brings all that back into the forefront. And all it's doing is preventing them from ever being exactly what God's called them to be. And that's to be free. And that's to be free from hurt. And what happens, here's the thing about it. I get hurt. I get bitter. I get angry. Shannon pays the price. Chandler pays the price. People around me pay the price because that bitterness and anger is gonna come out at some point in time and it's gonna rear its head and it's gonna show itself in some way, shape or form, it's gonna come out. And so what we have to understand is we're not just holding ourselves back, but when we toss out those angry words, when we toss out those angry thoughts, when everything about the church is wrong, because that's what happens when you become bitter and when you become angry. It doesn't matter what happens in the church, something's wrong with it. I, I, I don't hate, I mean, just have to be honest. I, I told somebody one time that if I had to look at my life sometimes and, and I have to begin to realize if everything is wrong with everybody else, most of the time there's something going on with me. And I've been there, I, I can be honest about that. If all of a sudden that everything that's happening is not right, everything that's happening is not the way I would do it, then there's something going on with me. And and it's not everybody else because there can't be something wrong with everybody and with everything. And that's what happens when we deal with those hurts and we don't ever handle them. We don't let them go and we don't put them in the past. It not only holds us back as individuals, but it affects all of those that are around us. And listen, and we're, so we're holding ourselves back, preventing ourselves, and Satan's using those things on us, and it's keeping us from being all that we want to be. But also in the meantime, he has a plan and he has a purpose for your family, for those around you, for those that are close to you, but yet they see you angry, they see you hurt, they see you throwing out all these different things, and then all of a sudden they're afraid to move forward too. Because all of a sudden, are you going to find something wrong with it? You're holding back people around you that God wants to use and you're preventing them from being everything that God wants them to be because of your bitterness. 
And, and I'm not sitting here fussing at you. What I'm saying is, Paul says, forget that stuff. Put that stuff in the past and let's move forward. And let's see what it is that God wants to accomplish in our lives. Let's see what he wants to do. Uh, you know, every disagreement over things that really probably don't matter prevents us from moving forward and doing what God's called us to do. Uh, you know, the, if we want to accomplish great things for God, we must forget what is behind and reach forward to what is ahead. Hurts come. People are going to say things. The enemy, I'll tell you, the enemy's going to get in the middle of conversations. He's going to get in the middle of stuff and he's going to take a phrase and he's going to take a word. He's going to take something and then he's going to blow that up into so much more than what it really is. All to hold you back and to keep you from accomplishing what God wants to do in your life and from attaining and being perfected and being mature Christians and to reaching the goal that he has for you. And lastly tonight, we must forget our past trophies. And this is going to be kind of strange, a little bit different. But we must forget our past trophies. Not only did Paul have past sin and past hurt to forget, but he also had great accomplishments also. Paul had accomplished some good things. He had done some great things. He would have been very, it would have been very easy for Paul to look back over all of his missionary journeys and all the churches he had started and nurtured and all the things he'd done and all the converts that he had won to the Lord that had been won under his ministry and, and say, you know, there's nothing left for me to accomplish. Uh, there's nothing left for me to do. What, what is it that I haven't already done? You know, there's nothing left for me to do, but he could have easily said, look at all my successes. But instead, Paul says, I choose to say I have not attained and I have not apprehended all that Christ has set before me. Uh, for therefore, I forget in order to reach more. If we get caught up in our past successes, if we get caught up in the fact that, hey, I've done a lot of good stuff. Danny, you've been in the church a long time. You've ministered and done music and all that kind of stuff for a long time. And if you reach the point where you said, listen, what else is there for me to achieve? You know, what, what good, that's going to prevent you because there's more. God still has work for you to do. God still has a plan for you. He still has a purpose for your life. It's the same way with any of us. We may have been here for 40 years and done a lot of great things, but God still has a work for us and he still has a plan for us and he still has a purpose for us, our lives. Many of us today are holding on to trophies of the past. We are so caught up in what God used to do in our lives and in our churches. We're trying to sustain ourselves on spiritual mountaintop experiences of yesteryear. We're living on things that happened in the past. When God says, listen, I'm still here. I still have work to do. I still want to do something in your life. We've lost our vision for what God wants to accomplish in and through us. And this is what it begins to look like. I got these three trophies down here. I told Neil, he wasn't the only one that won a state championship. No, I didn't win a state championship. But, but I did get a few participation trophies along the way. And you know, as a kid... We get these little trophies or whatever. I think actually these are Chandler's. Mine are put up somewhere else, my one or two that I did get. But, and we get these trophies as we're growing up. And I know a lot of kids in here have probably seen these and you've got these little trophies. And that's all cool and everything. Like, hey man, I got this trophy. This is really, this is really good. I accomplished something. And then what happens though is a few years down the road, we look back on that trophy and it begins to look more like this. It gets a little bigger. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It gets a little bit bigger. You know, and the story gets a little bit bigger. That, that state championship story gets bigger every time I hear it, Neil. 
I was kidding Neil, and I told him, I said, Neil, the football players all know you won a state championship 100 years ago. It's okay. <laughs> he picks on me all the time, so it's my turn. But here's what happens. So, so the further we get from the further we get from this, the bigger that accomplishment becomes. And that trophy's a little bit bigger. And then when you get to my age, that trophy begins to look more like this. It gets bigger and bigger. It's kind of like the fish at the lake. The further you get from the lake, the bigger the fish gets. But see, that, <laughs> but that's what happens to us even spiritually sometimes. You know, the things that we accomplish, the revivals that we had in the past, and I'm not, I'm not putting those things down, don't, don't get me wrong, but what was a great moment in time all of a sudden becomes a sacred cow and a sacred moment in time and it becomes so much bigger than what it really was. That was a great revival we had. That was the greatest revival we've ever had in the history of the church. And all of a sudden, everything that we see, everything that goes on in the church and everything that takes place in life, and this could be even in life, we can look at our kids and we can think, well, they're not doing as much as I did. They're not doing as well as I did in school when the truth is you probably made C's too. But now you look back and you had a 4.0 and it looks like this. <laughs> and what happens is, is everything that happens, we run through the filter of this because we've built these things up to be so big and to be so great and to be so awesome. God doesn't move like he used to across the road that's the stuff we get caught up in sometimes uh, and I'll just go ahead and say it the pastor isn't as great as what we once had there's a lot of, hey let's be honest there were a lot of great things happened here in the last 104 years and we all probably have our favorite pastor somewhere along the way and as far as we're concerned he looks like this and everybody else gets run through the filter of this right here. And we say, listen, they'll never measure up. You know, when in reality, it was just a moment in time. God just used them at that moment, at that time. They had their purpose. They'll never be a children's pastor like what we used to have. They'll never be a youth pastor like what we used to have. I don't know what you had after, I've been here 12 years, you couldn't have had much. There'll be ever be a youth pastor like what we had. Terry, you'll appreciate this one. There was a youth group at Gap Hill Church of God that everybody just thought they were the most awesome thing. And the further away we get from that, the more awesome they become, Terry. But the truth is, they had a lot of problems too. And they were just this right here. And we run everything through the eyes of that. And we say, man, there'll never be another group like that one. There'll never be another group like that. There'll never be another group like the first one that I graduated out of here. You know, that's the kind of things that we do. We have these spiritual trophies that we build up. 
And if we stay in the past and we live off of yesteryear and last year's mountaintops and 10 years ago revivals and all that things, then we're gonna be held to those moments and that's all we're ever gonna see and that's all we're ever gonna accomplish. I wanna tell you, the North Wahala Church of God over the last 104 years has accomplished a lot of stuff. A lot of great things have happened, but God's not dead and he still wants to operate and he still wants to move and he still wants to do mighty things through the North Wahala Church of God. He still has work to do. We have all these spiritual trophies and we have this tendency to cherish these types of moments and we build them up in our mind and we run everything. And through the present, we run everything through the past. And if it doesn't measure up and if it doesn't match, then we think, well, it's not as good as what it used to be. And we say things like that. We fold our arms and we say, God just doesn't move like he used to. God just doesn't move like he used to. Come here, Carson. (laughs) You got caught talking, didn't you? But here's what I want you to understand. Turn around. Face the crowd. Handsome young man, isn't he? And here's what happens, though. The secular world is telling this generation that there is no God. The secular world is telling this generation that God does not exist. That God's not real. You do what you want to. You live life like you want to. You do however you want to live. There is no God. But then we turn around and the church world says, God doesn't move like he used to. God isn't moving like he used to. He doesn't do the great things that he used to do. He doesn't work and move like we used to. We used to and we, we used to. And we live in these world of trophies of what we think God used to do. And what we used to think, and the truth is back then there were people when we were younger saying, God used to do this. And God used to do that. Because I remember, listen, I've been in the church for a long time and I remember God used to work this way and God used to move that way. Listen, God, last time I checked, is still living, breathing, still moving and still accomplishing things for his glory. You can sit down, Carson. And he still wants us to use, but we're confusing a generation. We're confusing a generation because the world tells them God doesn't exist and we turn around and tell them he doesn't move like he used to. And so they're left searching and wondering, what is it that I'm looking for? And what is it that I want? And what is it that God wants to do? Where is he at? And what they need from us is for us to stand up and say the past is great and it brought us to where we are, but God is still living. He's still breathing. He's never changing. And, if he, and, uh, and he'll continue to do what he wants to do. He'll continue to move if we'll allow him. He'll continue to do great things if we'll take those trophies of the past and we'll lay them aside and we say there's still more to be accomplished. There's still more that God wants to do through us. There's still more that he wants to see happen here at North Wahala. In whatever method it takes, however, if it takes a white tin in the front yard, whatever, if it takes Starbucks gift cards, even sitting next to Chick-fil-A, which I think is sacrilegious. But anyway, if we do that, whatever it takes, whatever method it takes, God still wants to work and God still wants to move and he still has things that he wants to accomplish through you and through the church. If we'll lay aside our sin, our past sin, we'll forget our hurts and we'll put aside the trophies and we'll say, God, what do you want to do new? We haven't attained yet. We haven't perfected yet. I I could show you the numbers and show you that 2017 numerically was one of the best years for the North Wahala Church of God. But that doesn't mean that God's done. Doesn't mean that he still doesn't want to accomplish more. Doesn't mean that 2018, 2019, and 2020 can't still be the best. 
can't still be the best. A great philosopher, Dabo Sweeney says this. There's a reason that your windshield's this big and your rearview mirror is that big. It's so that we can be looking out because we shouldn't be spending all of our time looking in the mirror, in the rearview mirror of what's behind us. But we should be looking out to what's in front of us. Let's all stand. This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is in the past and reaching forward to what lies ahead. You know, I'll just be honest with you. As great as it's been, as great as it's been, I still believe there's more. I still believe God wants to do more. I don't want to stop. I don't want to sit still. I don't want to live on last year or yesteryear, 10 years ago. I don't want to live in the church that I grew up in, in the Pickens Church of God, because I saw some crazy stuff happen there. I'll be honest with you. And we could live and we say, oh, God doesn't move like he used to. He probably shouldn't have moved that way then. And some of the stuff we saw... I'm sorry. But I don't want to live in the past. I don't want to live thinking about what I used to do. I don't want to live thinking about the sins that were in my past or behind me and the mistakes that I made. To be honest with you, I've made some mistakes this week. I want to forget about those. And I want to pick up and I want to keep moving. I want to keep going. Because if I get hung up in the past, then I'm going to be stuck right here where I'm at. And I'll never move and I'll never grow in my relationship with Christ. I'll never move forward with him. I'll never, and I believe as many times as I've read through this book and as many times as I've read scripture and I've studied or whatever, there's still new things in here, Neil. He still reveals stuff. He still opens himself up to me and he still shows me if I'm living in the past, how can, I, how can I learn more and how can I grow? Because see, I haven't apprehended, I haven't attained anything. I haven't been perfected. As long as I'm breathing, I won't be. And I'm asking God, Lord, help me to forget those things that are behind me and to reach forward to those things that are ahead. And tonight, and if we every head bowed and every eye closed, and we'll just, we'll just end it this way. You say, Russell, there's some things that I need to let go of. There's some things that I need to forget. There's some sin that keeps rearing its head in my life. Things that I did way back before I was, before I was ever saved. But yet some way or another it finds itself to the surface and it finds itself to the top. Russell, there's some hurts. Man, somebody said something. Somebody did something. I saw somebody done wrong. I saw a pastor done wrong. In the past, I, I, saw, I saw a member done wrong sometime in the past. I saw something happen. There's some past hurts, but maybe you're here and maybe, that, maybe it's not sin and maybe it's not a hurt, but maybe, maybe you live in that idea of, yest- of yesterday was better than tomorrow will ever be. You've got these big trophies and they seem to get bigger by the minute, bigger by the day. And everything has to run through that filter 
of these trophies of the past. But you say tonight, Russell, I just want to lay those down. I just want to lay those down. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to, every head's bowed and every eye closed. You know, I just want you to slip your hand up. And I say, well, Russell, I just want, it's just a way of saying to the Lord, there's some things I need to, I need to forget. I'm not going to call you out, but just your hand raised. I see the hands are going up everywhere. There's some things I need to forget. Some things I need to put in the past. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so we're going to pray. And I just want you to put your hand on the shoulder. If you're close to somebody, put your hand on the shoulder of that person next to you right there. And what I want you to understand is, listen, you don't have to know this, but somebody next to you might have been one of those that raised their hand. And I want you to pray for that person on your left and on your right. And I want you to say, God, help us. Lord, help us to move forward. Help us to forget. Help us to lay aside those things, those hurts, those sins, those trophies. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. And Lord, we're so thankful, Lord, that we can peer into your word. And Lord, we have men like Paul who can set the example for us and say this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, things that I can't do anything about, can't change them, can't go back and fix them, can't go back and make that moment different. I can't go back and change what was said. All I can do is forget that and move forward and move forth in this moment, walking in Christ, walking in the Spirit, serving you. And Lord, for every hand that was raised tonight, individuals are saying, Lord, there's things in their life, things in their mind, things that are hindering them that they need to let go of. And they need to forget. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to do that. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to have that, that, that memory, Lord, that would just let those things go and to be able to move forward and be reminded, like Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, but reaching forward to those things which are in front of us. Lord, there's still so much more to attain. There's still so much more to learn about you. There's still so much more to see you do. There's still lost people in this community that still need to know about Christ. There's still a generation that still needs to know that God still moves and he still operates. And Lord, he still saves, he still heals, he still sets free and he still delivers. That our past can be celebrated, but Lord, our future is to be reached for and to be attained. Lord, help us tonight as we leave this place. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.